Peace and blessings of good people and welcome to Father Should, a podcast on fatherhood in 20 today. I am your host Fleming. And I'm Miss Vaughn. And today we have a very special guest who I am very excited to introduce to the Father Should family. Um, we have Dr. L, who is a board certified clinical professional counselor. Welcome Dr. L to Father Should. Hello. How are you? Great. It's great to be here talking with you guys. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. So if you wouldn't mind, we know you, but we would like for our audience to get to know you. So if you don't mind giving us a little bit of introduction of who you are, Dr. A. Um, okay. So I am Dr. L. Some people know me as LaShawna. Some people know me as Shook. And one person knows me as mommy. I am from Albany, New York. And I came here to Baltimore to go to undergrad. I followed my sister. She went to Morgan. And I followed her down here. And I was like, I'm going to Morgan, too. And um, graduated the whole thing, psychology. Went back to New York. And I was like, eh can't stay here. Came back to Baltimore, went to Towson and got my master's. And then I was like, "Uh, I'm a therapist. I love being a therapist. It's my absolute, I call it my love, my passion, my career, my purpose and my ministry. Um, But I also have this desire to do research, um, research particularly in the urban community, and I have a desire to teach. Smaller desire than being a therapist. So (laughs) I went and got a PhD in urban social work research and... You now, got a PhD, girl. That is amazing. I said I was having a book burning party after my master's. Like, never. You couldn't pay me to go back. So kudos. First off, and that was the trick for me. Okay. I had. Yeah. I had. I finished defending my dissertation. Uh, maybe four months before I turned thirty-one. Okay. Um. Okay. And. Three months after I had a premature baby, mm. um, was in the hospital, still fighting for her life. So I, I got a really crazy story, actually. But no, 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 we don't get to that. One. We don't. No, we we'll come back. But yeah. <laughs> now I'm here. I'm in Baltimore. I have my own practice, Journey into Wellness. Um, I have been in private practice for six years. Um, I also teach adjunct for Morgan's psychology program. Um, What else do I do? Oh, and I'm a a clinical director for an outpatient mental health clinic um, called AGS Programs. So... That's that's all my things. Right, just a little light stuff. Not nothing major. Just you know, like just light, light work. Light work. That's a little light work. Just, you know, just an average average Tuesday. Average Tuesday. Got you. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, what was your dissertation on? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, my dissertation was on uh, parental influence and spirituality amongst female adjudicated youth. Hmm. Okay. So it was females who was already involved with DJS, and we talked about um, their level of spirituality, their parents' level of spirituality, as well as their parents' level of involvement in their life. Okay. Okay. That is such an interesting topic. Like, how did you even come to that? Right. So um, I came to that. I had a client years ago, and he was in a gang. Hmm. Um, and he was my client because he was involved with DJS. I del- I've done a lot of work with DJS and DJS involved youth in Baltimore as well as in Washington, D.C. Quick question. And what does DJ- DJS mean? Just Department of Juvenile Services. My apology. Okay. No, no, no. Um, 
And so even though this youth was involved in a gang, he never missed church. Hmm. He always went to church. He could have robbed somebody the night before, but he went to church the next day. Um, and that was very intriguing to me. And spirituality itself is just, I, spirituality is very real in adults as well as youth. Um, and so I just wanted to know more, more about it. Um, so okay. delinquent youth, they are near and dear to my heart too. Pain in the ass, but very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> I got a 15 soon to be going on going on 16 who thinks he's probably in his 20s and he lord knows he's a pain in my ass so yeah totally understand totally understand yep um so now you are mom of one and currently co-parenting yes but before you talk about that part, well, in conjunction when you get to that part, if you can talk about the whole, you know, had the daughter prematurely and the, yeah. So the long story short is, um, I was about to turn 30, right? <laughs> I was about to turn 30 and I said something real crazy out my mouth like, Oh my gosh, I'm about to be 30. I don't have any kids. I don't have, I'm still in school. I don't have a house. I'm just so pathetic. I just wish I could fast forward. And that was probably two weeks before my 30th birthday. Two weeks after my 30th birthday, I was having, I was, I found out I was having a baby. Mm. I was like, oh shit, right? So you talked that into existence. You talked that never, ever in my life rush time again. <laughs> ever. Okay. And so even even, learn. even just like there is so much power in your words that we just don't know. And so even with me like finding out very quickly after like, oh, now I'm going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, my baby was due in February and I had her November 16th. Okay. And so she was 25 weeks. I went into preterm labor quite a few times, but um, she was born at 25 weeks and she stayed in the NICU for six months until Ooh. the end of April of she was born in 2012, and so she stayed in the NICU until April of 2013. Wow. Um, and so even with even with that, like I'm, I said I want to fast forward, and it damn sure fast forward, but not in. It, it wasn't the best experience of a fast forward, is what I'll say. Okay. I'm. Um, but you made it through. Right now, speechless. Okay. I mean, I, I, and you know, I tell people, um, people, I remember when I was in like undergrad or even getting my master's, people talked about dissertations and I'm like, what is the issue with a dissertation? Like everybody always talking about this figurative thing. Like it's so difficult. I don't understand what's so difficult about it. And the difficult thing that I found out is that life still happens and life happens without your permission. Mm -hmm. And so here I am in the last leg of finishing my PhD, you know, I was finishing up writing and I had already collected all my data. I have a premature baby. Um, then my dissertation chair died unexpectedly. Oh, shit. In February. Okay. Like, breaking that. <laughs> we, we, we talked. He was an older guy. He was my professor. You know, I, I knew him a long time. He was like, all right, LaShawna, we're going to defend this thing in a couple weeks. Uh, finish that last uh, revision, and we're going to defend this thing in two weeks. And the next week, someone called me and said that he had passed away. Wow. And so I had to change dissertation chairs um that was a whole process 
I was purchased, I was looking for a home because I had this thought in my mind that I couldn't bring my new baby to an apartment. Silly, silly goose, okay? Um, so yes, March, March, March 1st, I was Dr. L officially. And then March 13th, I signed the papers on a home. And then April 27th, I brought my premature baby home to our new house. Amen. Look at that. It was a whole shit storm. It was a whole shit storm. Please. It was a shit storm. It was. <laughs> it was. Put you on that other side now. Like, now I can be like, ooh, baby. Yeah. That was a complete shit storm. The storm, though. You know, that's that's the important thing. It was a test, and now it's a testimony. Exactly. Amen. Right? Exactly. Amen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now, wow, that's, that is, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. It is a lot. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. You know, and here you are. And now you're and now you're therapist to doing family therapy, correct? Individual um, couples and family. Okay. So now, from a individual standpoint, usually just usually just moms, dads, both. Or people that are, or people that have no kids. Like, I mean, what is it? What your patients like demographic? I, I got everybody. You got everybody. You got it. Okay. Lots, 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 lots. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Like if if if, if you ask me, I got them. I promise. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's a good thing, though. I, you know, we always talk about the fact of the importance of therapy and people getting it. So the fact that you got lots. That's a good thing. There's a lot of people that are going to get the help that they need to go and get. Because Lord knows there's enough people out there that ain't. <laughs> so. Right. You believe I'm perfectly fine. No, you perfectly need some help. But, you know. None of us are fine. You know, like not, none of us are fine whatsoever. Every last person could use a little bit of extra help. Um, definitely you got the people that, that dip off and run off to church and pray every day, which there's nothing wrong with that. But nothing wrong with getting some extra extra help either um, in the process now fast forward so now you are mom of one new house new career well not necessarily new career but solidified career you know as 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 a doctor and you are also a co-parent so yes. how's that so how's that been um it has been a complete hill and valley. Okay. Okay. That's a nice way to put it. Okay. Um, I will. I will call it a hill and a valley. You know, um, my my daughter's dad was not completely like wanting to have another kid. Okay. Um, in my healing, what I realized, in addition to him not wanting to have another kid, even though he had seemed to be like becoming okay with it, it fast forwarded. So he really wasn't, he didn't have time to be okay with it. And then we had a child and just visually, visually my daughter weighed one pound and 15 ounces. She literally could fit in one of my hands. Um, and she was little, she was fragile. And the thing, what they do when you have a, a, a baby who is so significantly premature, it, number one is if you're going to have a baby before 25 weeks, which I almost did, they, they, they come in and you're complete anxiety they come in and they say, we're not legally obligated to save this baby. Do you want us to save this baby? Mm. And, um, you know, I say, I believe in God and you can take that to mean whatever you want that to mean. And I rolled my ass back over. Luckily, she didn't come until they were legally obligated. So we, you know, whatever the case was, but she was very, very fragile. She was extremely fragile. Her, she had breathing issues. She had um, a feeding tube because they didn't want her to become uh, 
her lungs had become exhausted by eating. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% oxygen. She had a heart monitor. When I tell you it was tubes, the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Tubes, Wire. Shit. Even leaving the hospital, we took these things home with us. Wow. You know, and so um, I felt like I, I, again, in my healing, what I realized is that that was very overwhelming for him. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he withdrew. And so in him withdrawing, I felt alone and mad. Rightfully so. Right. right. Alone, overwhelmed. So many things that can come that that can come to my mind. Um and so we started in a valley, to be honest. You know, a lot of people say they started the hill. Now nah, we started in the valley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely started in the valley. Um, and he left and went to Afghanistan probably in July, like after. So she came home in April and he left in July. Wow. Okay. Um, and did not come back until... He didn't come back until like right before she turned two. Mm. And so um, I was by myself. I don't have family here. Right. So, and so I'm, I'm, I'm telling the story to, you know, we always talk about that pain mm-hmm. and, you know, separating your emotions from, you know, those other things. And right. so the things that I was feeling at that time was like abandonment. I'm doing this by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she got seven different doctors that were running to. I'm still working my several jobs that I'm always working. Um, it was very, very difficult. Probably when he came back, we kind of stayed in a valley. Mm-hmm. And so co-parenting at that time didn't exist. I was just parent. Got it. There was no co-parenting. It was just me and, you know, I might ask for something every now and then. Can you do something? Can you do this? And if I didn't get the response that I wanted, then I would take 10 steps back. Hmm. And so if I say, hey, I have this thing to do, um... I need you to, I need you to watch her. Oh, I ain't babysitting. And then, then, so again, I've grown, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I got some hood in me because you never can take the hood out you, right? So then it's like, well, what the fuck you mean? You ain't babysitting. This is your kid. This is not called babysitting when it's your own, you know? And then once you start, once you start bringing that energy, then things really go down the hill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so valley valley for a long time okay (laughs) so okay you guys are valley where are you guys at now is he involved now as a co-parent because when you know your tone has kind of changed you're quick to say i needed some healing and understanding this so i'm going to assume that you've gotten past that point how did your healing help you guys to get there because it sounds like you had to do a lot of this navigating in order for it to kind of happen in a in a way that is not only helpful for you but also your daughter considering the fact that he was away for almost two years she comes she know what photo of you but she don't know you yeah (laughs) yeah Yes, 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 yes. Um, so right take now we're we're probably what you say, Ms. Vaughn? I said take your time, girl, take your time. <laughs> um so right now we're probably at the top of a mountain. Good. And I, <laughs> I say top let me tell you why I say top of a mountain, and this just adds a whole nother layer, is because he has um, he has another daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and his daughter was four when we met. Mm-hmm. And um, I just have this belief and I'm just a kid person. And so, and I always tell people I have one daughter, but I have a lot of kids. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I, I just immediately, she immediately was mine too at four, right? right? And so now she's 14. Mm. And even though we're not together, she's my daughter and I co-parent her with him too and her mother, which is weird as shit, <laughs> to be honest. Is it weird? Wait, wait hold on, question. So, <laughs> Why is it weird? No, 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 wait, 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 question. So you and him are no longer together, correct? Correct. And you, but that's not necessarily weird because at the end of the day, you guys are a family unit. So you actually co-parenting with him, the mother and yourself is actually beneficial for the two little beauties that you guys have with the common denominator, i.e. him. So um, it's amazing, but a lot of people when they break up with dude, when they break up with homegirl, they break up with their kid, their kids too. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. And and I'll have to be honest because um, when I was in my painful period, it was very hard. It was very hard for me to like be able to like engage with her in the way that I wanted to because it felt like he was going to take it from me. Mm. Okay. Okay. And he did once. And I'm a tough cookie. Let me tell you, I'm a tough cookie. You're tough cookie. But when he did, I cried. You seem a little... Seem seem kind of hard, tough on the edges, but soft soft in the middle. You know? But that's always the thing. Like, and it can be... The thing is, is that what he understood is that it doesn't matter if I stay, but if I take her, that's going to break her. And that's going to get the reaction from her that I want because I'm going to take her away. And it's not even about, that's that manipulation bullshit. And we, I'm a, I'm going to be quiet because it's starting to trigger. So um, go ahead, doctor. <laughs> but you know what though, that, that, so there are, because I, I think that again, when we, in those moments, we do, we do go there. We think about what may have been said, you know, over the course of time. I'm really mad at you and I can't I can't hit you. I shouldn't hit you. I can't I can't I can't flatten your tires. Although I I could, you know, I could find I, I could find find me somebody that could do it. But again, having access to your control panel and knowing knowing you the way that someone does, right? Um, having that access to that control panel, it's like, okay, cool. I know if I hit this button over here, right? Here's here's the button. It's just gonna let 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 her kind of tear up, right? Yeah. But if I hit if I hit this button and pull this switch over here, yeah, I'm gonna get straight Niagara Falls on this one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me let me go ahead and do that. But but I think I think that that is something that that again I think that's just a human trait as, as humans when it is we feel hurt right I think a lot of us tend to tend to do that. I know in with my with my ex and some of the conversations that that we had, the statement was always made like you know. I know that if I if I say this to you, then I know it's gonna at least get the response from out of you that I'm that that I really want. And really all it was was you either A wanted me to hurt like you're hurting, or you wanted me to react and have that same level of angerment that you have. People I get into I don't get I don't like getting into arguments. You know, we can have a discussion on things, but I don't like getting into arguments, so I will turn down the volume real quick be like oh you're on 10 so both of us being on 10 is not going to really be beneficial for the situation so let me go ahead and let you have 10 and I'm gonna dial my shit back to like 2 Yeah. and 2 means that I'm getting in the car and I'm gonna go go for a ride and I'll see you when I get back which for the most part can sometimes piss people off because then they do feel like you're walking away from from them or the situation and it's and it's not that I'm walking away it's really more so the aspect of letting cooler heads prevail um, in, in this moment before someone says something that we can't pull back because once we toss it out there it's 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 out there it's out in the universe yeah, yeah. you know regardless of how many times I mean baby I'm sorry I didn't mean it nope you said that shit motherfucker I'm mad at you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so how 
So the fact that you co-parent with your ex, how does that reflect in your practice in the way in which you approach your clients who are dealing with the co-parenting situation? And you could go through all steps because I know it's several that. <laughs> so one thing, one thing that I'll I'll make clear that as a therapist, you're still a human, right? And so you take your and and I think that's what makes me a pretty damn good therapist um, is that I bring my experience to the room, and I'm talking about my personal experience, right? Um, and I, I and I'm I'm pretty confident that this is if you ever interviewed one of my clients, this is what they would say: is that I am a human being in the session. I'm not uh, a doctor who's sitting on a high horse who ain't never been through anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what I'll say what I'll say further is in bringing my experience into the room, that can be sometimes that can be that can be. Uh, a problem and sometimes it can be helpful. I will say that in the times in which I was in the valley, I was more silent about what I might have been hearing. Hmm. So if if um I, I can remember listening to a client who was going through a divorce, um, going through a divorce at the time, and they really weren't it was very like, it was a lot of conflict, excuse me. And so my approach was a lot of exploration, like, okay, talk about it. How does it feel? It wasn't as, I wasn't checking people, even though in my head, I'm like, this shit ain't right. Mm. Um, And it probably was because of what I was feeling too. Like, it's not right. Right. You know, um, I think even later in other at other times as I again as I went through my healing and I'm going through my experience it's like you know what I might have been more verbal about saying hey you're wrong mm-hmm. um you're wrong you can't do this it's about the kids and if it's really about the kids then why are you making it about something else mm-hmm. um and Still, because my clients feel that human aspect of me, they don't mind getting checked. Good. I, you know what? I I applaud you on that because Lord knows I've seen them. I've seen enough therapists, personally, professionally, and on TV. Um, you know, sort of, kind of take that take that persona, that high roll, like oh, I'm oh, and not, and not even so much the high roll, but just not being able to allow you to connect to them so that you do feel like okay here's somebody that really kind of understands and gets me uh and and what what it is i'm saying so kudos to to you on that i would definitely say that that is a a plus a plus (laughs) um so has there ever been a time where in your in being a therapist and in your own personal situation like like how hard is it to like take that hat off or put it on like especially when someone is like uh it's like say say with your your daughter's father has there ever been a moment where it is that you've like analyzed him from a from a from a therapist perspective and actually spoke to it or has it always just been you is you is L minus the dot part in in dealing with 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 that in that co-parenting space. So what you're asking me, Fleming, is <laughs> <laughs> have I ever therapized him <laughs> in the process of co-parenting? Is that what you're asking me? That's what I'm asking. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, if you didn't, girl, you are a better one than me because I only would have uh, diagnosed, I probably would have wrote up his paperwork and everything to make sure that Got your prescription pad just sitting there. Prescription right pad ready. I'd be like, I was just waiting on you to say it, but here you go. I already wrote out your prescription. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. With now uh-huh. now with him knowing or not knowing or like so so number one is I think that when people when people know that I'm a therapist 
mm-hmm. everything I say sounds like a therapist to them. <laughs> everything that I ask is like, well, are you treating me like a client? No, I'm not. Like, this is what I'm asking you, right? I've never, um, many times as we've taught, I've never had that feeling. So, yeah, until you actually say it, I never really think about the fact that it that it's it's there so if you are doing it yeah I'm like okay it's, it's just hell doing her thing so so a lot of again a lot of it is just how just just how I talk but kind of kind of rewinding but when I was younger I had I had anger issues I would pop off hmm. my mouth would just explode baby I know that's me <laughs> I mean, you did say you're from New York, though. So, I mean, it's... My mouth was, like... And I had to fight for everybody's rights and my own. And it was just (laughs) too much, right? And so I learned... um, I learned how to be tactful in asking questions, tactful in checking people so that it doesn't come out as, like, aggressive or in a way where people are feeling defensive. Mm-hmm. And so when I do that, it's a lot of, it's me asking a lot of questions as opposed to telling people about themselves. So if I ask you questions, you're going to answer them and you're going to basically, you're going to already tell say what the problem is. Right. right. You're going to tell me yourself. Yeah, I mean, that whole learning, because I definitely understand that I always say, like, I was really angry younger, like really, really angry. And so I understand, like, I mean, tech is something I'm still learning. I'm a lot better than what I used to be, but becoming tactful with my words is, especially if I'm mad, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'll just shut down because I know like, I'm going to say something, you're not going to like it and I'm not going to be able to take it back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, what are... I guess I, I want to kind of hear from your experience um, as being a co-parent and being in this co-parent unit. How has it, um, what did you have to let go of? Because a lot of times, sometimes people are holding on to something that is just significant to them. However, in the overall picture, it's something that is just, why Why you still focus on this? Like, why is this, why is your hangup? So in order for you guys' relationship to again construct the way it is what did you and then like you said you were alone you were you know felt overwhelmed you were pissed what did you have to let go in order for it to start to work where it can be a co-parenting unit so um that's a good question um i really like that question because it made it made me think to um, I like to be very direct when I answer questions. So <laughs> just not wordy. But you know what I think it was as I'm I'm sitting there listening to you. I felt like he didn't love her. Oh. He was an amazing like dad, right? Like he was amazing to me. Like to the his his when I met him, to this little four-year-old, like he loved her. His whole life revolved around her. Mm-hmm. And so for me to experience him rejecting her, it was like it it I, I can't tell you how much it hurt me. It hurt me more than when and at that point, he wasn't rejecting me. Wasn't rejecting me. He was just rejecting my kid. And so I remember saying to him, like, hey, you won't go to the hospital and visit our daughter, but you want you wanna you wanna go on a date after I leave the hospital and I've been sitting there all day? Like, mm-hmm. what kind of shit is this? Yeah. I'm pumping and delivering milk to the hospital and going to work and then going back to the hospital to change a diaper just because I wanted to do it. And so it wasn't the rejecting of me. I, it was the rejecting of her. And I, I didn't understand. And I felt like he didn't love her mm-hmm. and that burned me to fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So how did, yeah. Um, did, did so I feel like some things happened kind of simultaneously and I think that as as his involvement started to change 
my my feelings started to change as my feelings started to change my like me opening up and giving him like more responsibilities or giving him more allowances and it I, all of those things propelled something else to prepare something else. And that's how we eventually made it back to the top of the mountain. You know, you don't go from hating each other to being best friends in one day. Um, and please just, say that again, because I, I don't think people are very realistic about you don't. And I think that that is the other, that's the other thing too. I really like this because you guys are making me think about some things. I think that's the other thing too, is that we were such great friends. Mm -hmm. We were really friends. And so when being good friends, it's easier to do other things as a unit. You know what I'm saying? Even if you're not together intimately or, you know, romantically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's a, I like that transparency. And so so that that really is probably the 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 basis of what really makes it work too. Um so with the older one, um, so she's 14 now and she knows she's hip, she knows, and that you know, Fleming, I always ask, like, you know, is are they splitting? Like that's one shit, some shit I really look out for. The kids be they know <laughs> they know what they're doing, right? They know. Mm-hmm. And so the I know I knew exactly exactly um the 14 year old knows she knows I got she got this I got the soft spot she also knows that I have the ability to convince him to, to, mm. to change his mind right yes I can get a two for one come on girl that's a smart girl that's a smart girl she got and a so two she, for one like, jumps in my car she's like i need you to talk to daddy about um letting me wear pink panties what wait what put them bloomers on (laughs) so you know victoria's secret pink Mm. you know right why you shaking that limit right I mean, she's 14. Like, at what point is she not, though? This is the reason why. But that's a real thing, though. And granted, and it is, and this is why God didn't bless me with a daughter. Yeah, it's just, that's this This here's why. This here's why. Well, go ahead, though. Go ahead. So, <laughs> because I got, like, adult ADHD, um, I forget, but Pink was having a sale, like, right before Christmas. Like, 10 panties. Thirty dollars. Oh, let me get my girl some panties. So I bought about twenty pairs, and then after I purchased them, I said to him, "I'm like, so what's your issue with pink panties? <laughs> I just, think, I just think it's just too grown." And da, da, da. I'm like, "Well, I was like, let me, let me, t- let me share something with you. I worked in Victoria's Secrets when I was in college when they launched that brand. That brand is for." Bikini boppers. Mm-hmm. It's not for the grown ass women who you see wearing it. Right. It wasn't. That's the yeah, that's the that's the Victoria's Secret side. This is pink. Those are two different things. Right. I said well, this pink was not developed for people over twenty two. Right. Um, because they can't fit people over twenty two. Pink. Let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. Like, you got any type of a hip, a breast. Anything, exactly. a roll, a fat roll, anything, it ain't pink ain't made for you. It's, it's absolutely not. And so I'm like, well, he was like, well, I would think it's just for older teenagers. So I Google it, send him a <laughs> screenshot. It says pink was developed for girls who are 15. See, she's not 15 yet. Um, Sir. They come over. I give her, I was like, Here's here's your pink panties. He was like, "Oh, you guys think this is funny?" I said, "Sir, these panties have pancakes on them. Pancakes, pancakes. What is grown or sexy about a stack of pancake on your panties? Nothing, nothing. Absolutely. Like cone, like ice cream cone, sir. Really? Exactly. And so we all laughed about it. We got past it. She good with her pink panties. Like it's not a it's not a huge a huge deal, right? Um, but uh. Beforehand, yeah. right. Um, 
And so, you know, if we were not, I, I say that all to say, if we were not good friends, we wouldn't be able to have interactions and conversations like that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And that is, that is a, that is so important because during that time, you were her intercessor because I'm talking to you. And again, dad, you're just looking at me like, of course, I'm your child and everything like that again, but I'm also 14. Sometimes your parents can kind of be like on the same page and they're not understanding. If you, when you get that outside body who understands your, your parent and knows how to talk to your parent in a way that you as a child cannot, because I can't just go out there and go get the pink, like you're going to get over this because this is really stupid that you don't want me to have a pink. As a person who grew up with parents, you know, definitely fighting your role as her intercessory is beyond measure. And I hope you know how important it is and how thankful she is because she won't realize it now, but later on, she will understand exactly how you literally brokered a lot of things and how you became her person that I can confide in and I can trust in. But then also, you also was a person who can at the end of the day, even if it's not to make dad do something that I want to do, you can at least start a conversation that me as a child, it makes it easier for me to have with them. So I just really want to say thank you for that because as a child who went through that, I did not have that. I wish to God I did. I just want to make sure you know that your reward is literally, it happens later and you just do not realize how great it is. I just want to say that. So, um, Fleming, go ahead. I'm getting off my soapbox. <laughs> I had to think about that for for mine. Who did, who did I have? It would, it would, yeah, my godfather. My godfather was that, was that person to mine, to my dad's ear, as far as when we were having our trials and tribulations um mm-hmm. you know growing growing up uh it was interesting because you know like i said i have a teenager myself so when we started to butt heads and that really and that, that reality hit for me i was just like wow because it was one day we butted heads and i i felt just devastated you know by by the whole thing and I remember going to literally going to my room close the door got to my knees and I was just like whoo because in that moment like I, I I had that realization of like is this what I did to my dad <laughs> you know when we was when we would butt heads and I know and I mean I, yeah my I know I know my mom so I ended up praying to God I was just like Lord I don't know what your communication system is like uh, up in the heavens but if my father's anywhere near tell him I'm sorry because if this feeling here is remotely close to how he was feeling I am so sorry for ever putting that on on his life the way that 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 feeling felt it's it's uh when you have that that conduit you know or that person who can who can be your your voice to sort of kind of just explain where it is is I think as as parents right you know we have that we have that parent mentality mm-hmm. you know um, a lot of times it is my way or the highway right you know it's either my way or the highway mm-hmm. I think back to uh, there's a stand up um, Bill Cosby himself it's old you know but it's back when everybody liked Bill Cosby or loved Bill Cosby I should say <laughs> but he made a statement or that is what his father told me he said boy he said, uh, "No mess with me, because I take you out. As, I brush in this world, and I take you out. And don't make no difference to me, because I make another one look just like you." Oh, yeah. As a parent, and I think even I think even more so for fathers. Like that's the difference I think between moms and and dads. It's like you know we we go there. You know, saying it's like. <laughs> That is a jugular, like, <laughs> like, 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 you know, just, that. Not all things 
one just like you? Just like just like you. you know? So you know, but I I think that to just sort of kind of bounce back to what was stated earlier, like as and we kind of talked about it, you know, this last what last what was it Friday on Clubhouse? You know, becoming a dad. I think becoming a parent for a lot of people can be just scary the first time around, and for some people it's like. To have it happen a second time, it's just like, <sighs> especially if you've made it a, a, up in your mind. Like, I, I know some people who definitely have been like, I had one, I'm good. And they find themselves in that position to where, like, that second one rolled around, you'd be like, fuck. But, matter of fact, I got a friend of mine, <laughs> got a friend of mine who literally uh, was divorced or going through his divorce, was going to go and get the snip right unfortunately it had to be postponed because of something that happened and whatnot he was like okay no problem ends up going out and boom boom third kid yeah and i was like whoof i was like yeah see that's that they're right there when she made that decision i'm gonna get this snip Mm-mm, i'm not touching nobody it, you're off limits don't don't breathe near me okay like period because if i've made except that i have one i i can't see having another one at this particular point mine is two years away from or two and two and a half away from being i need you to stop doing this counting that you right do. i keep trying to like, you know you can't understand you are gonna Okay, you know, like let's look. We talking about co-parenting. Like let's just keep it completely one hundred. Like yes, when we had the kind of conversation, when I when I talk about the age thing, I don't necessarily talk about it from a standpoint of like you know, like that's it. Once he hits his age, I'm you know I'm off limits with, with my son. No, I'm talking about from the standpoint of like I see that goddamn child support eighteen just off. <laughs> Cool. Well, that depends on if he chooses to go to college or not. Because if he chooses to go to college, that is extended. Uh, actually, it's not in the state of, in the state of Maryland. Eighteen, cut off, done. <laughs> trust me, trust me, me. You go to court. You look. You get all the all the logistics. Okay, like look. Well, that's some states. That's Maryland. But I know Illinois. You know, if they if the kid chooses to go uh-huh. to higher education, uh-huh. you still hold that. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, which is why I'm not in Illinois. Done. So <laughs> when I do that countdown, that's that's what it's for, just for for the record. No. I know, I but like, you never feel... know. Another one might might be blessed and waiting for you. There there may Hello? be you, know. you for, don't know. For who? You, you never know. Care. You don't know what your future holds. Girl, look here. No. Oh, I know what Okay. Well well no. <laughs> well, let's put it like this. As you just said, are you snipped? I I already made my appointment. Thank you, goddamn it. Look. Oh, well, if until that again, your friend made the appointment. Remember, it was postponed, and he still had one in between there. Post. It was. Doctor L, am I uh, am I incorrect in my assessment? Postponed. I mean, we all know how biology works. Look, <laughs> it was postponed, and his ass was horny. Goddamn it! And look, told you, stay away, back off. Look, I'm gonna tell you right now. Look, I need twenty feet. 20 feet, 15, 15 for the for the hoodie and, and five for just my personal space. Thank you. Yes. Done. You know what that just made me think of though? Um, I think this was another part of another part of my healing process. It was having a conversation with my father about it. So mm-hmm. when I was so my sister and I are two years apart. Okay. And um I had a different last name than my sister and my father Mm -hmm. and I'm mouthy. So I'm like, what is this about? Right. Um, Oh, you know, your father just wasn't there to sign the birth certificate. So I had my mom's last name. And so probably when I was eight, I remember like, you don't forget things, but I remember my dad coming in and saying, um, now you're my baby. He was like, well, you were always my baby, but now you're like really my baby. And my, my last name had gotten changed. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm a, I am 
watch a lot. My grandmother had me watching a whole lot of Lifetime. Bruh, hold on. I was about to say, between Lifetime and uh, People's Court, you kind of figure out a whole bunch of stuff as a kid. Like, now, wait a damn minute. <laughs> so so I, I, always, I always felt some type of way. Like, are you lying to me? Like, do I really got a different daddy? And so when I was getting my master's, we had to do this um, family analysis mm. for one of my counseling classes. And we had to interview our parents, um, both grandparents on both sides, and basically just go up. And um, I, rem- I, interviewed, I rem- distinctly remember interviewing my mother before I interviewed my father. And one of my questions to my mother was, why was my last name different? And she was like, your father didn't want you. Oh, shit. And I was like, huh? Mm. And um, so my parents were 22 when they had me. So they were about 19 and 20 when they had my sister. And then they were about 22 when they were, when they had the, the next kid or whatever. And she was like, your father, didn't, he didn't want another kid. He wasn't happy. Um, that was like so crushing mm-hmm. to hear even at 20 something. Right. Mm-hmm. But in, in this process, when I was feeling as if my daughter's dad did not want her or did not love her. I remember asking him, like, how did you get over not wanting a second kid? Um, you know, what was happening with you when you found out you were having a second kid that you ne- didn't necessarily want? Um, and I remember him, he was reflecting on just wanting to, you know, be young and live life young. And the first time it was like, oh shit, great. And it was like, second time, like, oh, wait a second, this is going to be hard type of thing. And so I asked him kind of what, what made him come around and at what point. And he was like, it was just something I, I knew I had to do and I couldn't stop not doing it. I couldn't stop acting like it was going to go somewhere because y'all weren't, um, Mm-hmm. And so I think that probably was the point in which I said, you know, he's going to have to come around when he's when he's ready. Um, and that's probably when I kind of took my hands off of of it quite a bit and accepted letting him go through his process. OK. Good. Hmm. When when you started telling the story earlier, that was that was where my head went in the in the fact that you know everyone's process is different, and a lot of times how it is that we look and think that someone should handle a situation that you know like why aren't you handling it the way that I am? It's sometimes hard to fathom. It is, and I think that I think that the other thing that I learned is that you know moms. And you guys may have heard me say this because I feel like I say it all the time. But um, when we find out we're carrying life, like we know immediately, life changes immediately. Mm-hmm. And you know that everything you do is going to influence this other being you're carrying. Mm-hmm. You're bonding with this being you're carrying. Dads don't have the same privilege and that the real bonding doesn't occur until that child actually is here and so when there are other circumstances that interrupt and all of the different things that kind of just happened with my situation it was off right it was absolutely off even down to her being in the in in the hospital you know i'm a research person i'm a holistic person and so we all of the things that doctors did, whatever, but the things that I felt like I needed to do, I felt like I needed to be there every day. I felt like I needed to be the one giving her a bath and not the nurses. We're doing kangaroo care. I'm reading the the New York Times to you. I'm in there playing music. Like, these are the things that I felt were not only bonded me to my child, but they helped my child to thrive through you know, her, her difficult moments. And so, you know, 
we just, I, I think that moms just get a different, they, they get a different energy. And for dads, not to say that it's not there, but it, it comes in later. It comes in when the kid falls and daddy is the first one to pick him up. Him being the one, I was trying to teach her to ride her bike without training wheels early in COVID. And I was getting agitated. Right. You you quickly to... Your patience, yeah. your patience, is, your patience is done. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's so I'm, I'm a, yo, I feel like I'm an all-star mom, but I don't do Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. Gross. I don't do Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> at all. <laughs> will not. It's not my, that's, that's, he will though. So you can have that, right? Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-mm. It's disgusting. We can, we can go on this story. My sister, like, I mean, again, my nephew has never been, and that's because my sister has told him that it's closed for, um, you know, the health code violation. <laughs> like, she li- he literally wrote a letter to the Department of Health to say, why is Chuck E. Cheese closed? But mind you, she'll drive past the Chuck E. Cheese, and he was like, well, there are people going in. And she was just like, I don't know. The police is going to come and take them out because, you know, they're closed. Like, literally. But he's never been, and he's never, like, really I mean, he's over that part now. Right. But yeah, my sister, but we had that Chuck E. Cheese. But we had that conversation. I told you point blank, y'all didn't shortchange that boy because it's, it look, it's a rite of passage to play in the ball in in the in, in the ball pool. That is disgusting. Right? It is a rite of. Passage. I remember, and I can say that from the past experience. I remember being in that ball thing. Backstroke. Dino. Chuck E. Cheese, unfortunately, Fleming is not what it was back in the eighties and nineties. Look here, it's like oh, Kitty Club, you gotta get stamp, you gotta get a stamp on your hand, like you, you know, kids running around in the bathroom. Look, look, kiddo, look. My my son has been to Chuck E. Cheese. We didn't play in in the ball pool. He didn't been in Kid Club. He didn't got the stamp. Pizza for him. If it wasn't Chuck E. Cheese pizza, it didn't it didn't matter. Like he that was just his thing. So and he's a well rounded kid for it, you know, to to this day. See y'all. Well again, that's why she said that's he does that. That's right. Exactly. So that's again, that's his ministry with her because right. Right. It, it can't be mine. I get it, Dr. L. It, exactly. And so even with like my patience running thin with the with the bike, right? We was out there for like an hour. I'm like, yo, I can't do this. <laughs> come, come help you. Yo, when I tell you, and he'll probably listen to this when y'all air it. <laughs> so he's going to want to have a session. After. <laughs> and so when I tell you, it, she learned to ride the bike. Like the first time he came, he came and it, it it lit him up, it lit her up. They all just so happy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and they needed that. And, you know, dads need those moments. And sometimes, I think the conversation we were in last week, Fleming, sometimes mom, moms just always want to be, they just want to always be the, 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 the MVP. The hero, right, the hero. The MVP mm-hmm. every single time, right? And so mm-hmm. some of it is, it's also, and I guess this goes into the co-parenting piece and even my role as a client, um, not as a client, but as a therapist, is giving dads those chances, right? And so I'll say to, I'll say to a mom, a mom will be going off and I got to do this and I got to do that. And if, and if school gets closed early, then who going to go get them? I'm going to have to go get them. I was like, well, why, why wouldn't you ask that? All he do is work. Okay. Okay. But why wouldn't you ask him? Like, you, you, why not give him the opportunity to go and save the day? Right. Why, you know what I mean? Like, why are you concluding what their answer is going to be? Because to me, what is really sounding like is that you want to be the hero and you don't want to share the stage, right? And you can't do that. And that's when it. That's when we're talking about your child's needs versus what you want. You can't be the hero and then want to control how the outcome is. Like that's not that's exactly. not how it works. Look here, we all can't exactly. be Superman. Somebody got to be Batman. Somebody got to be Wonder Woman. Okay, somebody got to be the Joker. Someone, I want to be Alfred. Someone gets to be Alfred. You know, like <laughs> like everyone has to play has to play a role in. And you know, when we were having 
the conversation last week and it was just like I get the 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 concept of being the quote unquote primary and you can have that but we do exist as fathers we do play roles and man in some instances it may we may not be able to be the primary uh, character, you know, or or the main character, but we're here to do a supporting role in some situations. So even when we're denied the opportunity to even do a supporting role, so then what? So and so that's when it's very like necessary to have somebody who can check that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everybody can't come to this, come to that on their own. And I'm, I am an absolute work in progress. Still a work. Thank you for listening to our show. Make sure you visit our website at fathershould.org. Follow us at Fathershould Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Fathershould underscore PC on Twitter.